podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Manchester United season goes from bad to worse with a record of six defeats in her opening 10 matches. Andrea Onana is in a world of his own. The defence is makeshift at best and Casemiro picks up his first red card at the campaign. All while Rasmus Hoyland proves to be only silver lining with a brace against Galatasaray. Season ticket holders may wonder why there's a sticky piece of Turkish delight stuck to the bottom of their seat. We can assure you the Glazers aren't being generous. Adam Moore on the Stratycast episode 173 with Nathan Thomas. It's been a while since we had you on the Stratycast. Times are bleak, but I hope you're keeping well. I'm good, thank you, Dale. Yeah, that was a, a nice sunny day in Stratford, as I recall. We were enjoying a nice drink in the blaze. And I think at the time, I, I feel like it was kind of hot on the heels of the the League Cup final, not too far. We were looking ahead to another Cup final at the time. So, yeah, things were certainly sunnier. Um, and, uh, yeah, different times now, different times. Just quickly, I want to gather your expectations at the beginning of the season because you mentioned around the period where, where we met and we were quite optimistic about what we were seeing on the pitch and the kind of, I guess the momentum that had been gathering in, in his first campaign as manager under Tarek Ten Hag. Things have not gone to plan this season. Um, are you quickly reshaping those expectations now and at the beginning of October? Not quite, uh, just because I think, you know, there's, there's always, I feel like, if, if there's any kind of like positivity at United, and particularly after last season when there was a considerable amount, there's always something in you, maybe like the child inside you where you think, oh, maybe we could, maybe we could win the league, maybe we could challenge to win the league. But from a realistic point of view, I was looking at it, I think given the, the state of play at United and also the state of play, particularly at Manchester City, I was thinking this is another top four on a trophy season for United. And by that, I mean, okay, we finished third last year. So I'm thinking third again or second, more points, closer to Manchester City, another trophy or two, maybe, maybe an FA Cup again and see what we can do in the Champions League. So so in that sense, I feel that is still obtainable, but obviously recent form makes you, you know, yeah, begin to doubt that. But I still feel at this stage where we are now, October, that is still doable. So it hasn't made me change it at the moment because I still feel like this is a season that can be turned around. I am a glass half full supporter. Many people that know me will know that. But at the moment, no, I feel like it could be turned around. But uh, yeah, it is pretty bleak. It's been, you know, it's been such a letdown based on where optimism levels were at. There's been issues off the pitch, of course, as well. Uh, so, yeah, at the moment, no, I still think there is a lot of time left. Obviously, cup competitions are in early days in terms of me talking about a trophy. Things where top four are concerned can change very quickly. How many times over the past couple of seasons, both with us, but I think of Liverpool, where they've, they've seemingly been completely out of contention for top four. And then suddenly, late in the day, I put a good run together. So top four can be achievable without necessarily having an entirely good season. So on that basis, no is the answer to the question, but things will have to improve and quickly. Are we a cup team now? 
Maybe, Dale, maybe. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I think like over the past 10 years, you you do gain a new perspective on things. I mean, both you and I are incredibly lucky in the sense that we started following United at a time where there was just unbridled success. And it's almost it's almost unrealistic in the sense, I know we're seeing Manchester City do similar things now, but you're bringing state ownership into the equation. But what, you know, what Sir Alex Ferguson did over the length of time is it was you know you look at it now and you think we were we were so spoiled and things you know probably won't be the same like that ever again obviously united should be competing higher should be competing for leagues and champions leagues but you get to the point where that league cup final last year i remember thinking to myself i'm gonna enjoy every second out of this and the nathan 10 years 15 years prior to that might have just been like oh it's a league cup great we move on we're going to bigger things but i thought no i'm gonna enjoy every second of this we feel like we're on up upward trajectory but things can change very quickly. So soak it up because seeing your team win a trophy, I've been so lucky that I've watched my team all over Europe and seen us win multiple trophies. And some teams don't ever get anywhere near that. So I know this sounds ridiculous talking about Manchester United. As a fan, I think you enjoy the moments that you can because look where we are now, what, a mere five or six months later. But obviously, as a football club, Manchester United should be aiming much higher. And there are issues that were you know, widely spoken about as to why we're not at the moment. Um, but yeah, are we a cup team? Maybe. But I'd say, yeah, tell you what, top four, like I said, top four at the end of this season with two trophies in the bags based on where we are right now, I'd happily snap your hand off, mate. It's slightly off topic, but I was just speaking to someone the other day uh, about United and rambling on, but it's kind of drawn comparisons to what people were complaining about around this time last year and the mess we're seeing in terms of results this season. You know, complaints right now are, are absolutely warranted but just to compare some of the complaints that we were getting last season was pundits and, and some fans were saying it too on social media that Lissandra Martinez was too aggressive and you know the double elbow that he gave it gave one week and people were complaining about those kind of things and I was just thinking to myself you know in comparison to now it people were really complaining about nothing weren't they? Oh, absolutely. And I was saying this to my brother at the game on Tuesday, and it wasn't necessarily specifically in relation to that game. could have been in relation to any game this season. But do you remember last year, um, I certainly remember it in the Liverpool game, there was other games as well where you'd see the likes of Dalo Martinez make a clearance, get it out for a corner, and it's high fives to slapping each other's backs. Mm. It's just this real camaraderie, just togetherness. And that's that seems to be really lacking so far. And I, I don't really know why that is. But it just feels like even at the start, early stages of last season, it didn't. United season didn't really properly get going, did it? Last season, so maybe after the World Cup. Before that, it was a little bit kind of here and there. There were some decent results, and then there were some poor results as well. But there felt like that there was this real sort of togetherness. And I was talking to my mate the other day, and you wonder if there's there's players still there that everybody knows, and the players know themselves that the, the manager was probably looking to move on this summer. And I think that doesn't help in terms of squad togetherness and squad cohesion. There's obviously issues at the moment with Jaden Sancho. So it feels like they've they've gone into the season with things that have, have happened, whereby I'm not saying this is the reason, but it just feels that there's just a, a sting has been taken out a little bit um, of the team at the moment. And obviously that's not helped by results. Of course it's not, but the results weren't necessarily coming every game at the start of last season, but they just felt like everyone's pulling in the right direction and there's this real togetherness and the fans felt it too. And 
that's been concerning to see why that has gone again. I, I don't really know, but in addition to your injuries and your out of form players, etc., that that's been something I've noticed, which is which is worrying. Nathan, before we get on to the game the other night against Galatasaray, I wanted to bring up the fantastic initiative set up by the foundation and um, which you do work for the winter coat appeal, and obviously. I'm sure lots of people listening to the podcast you know, wonder what that is. We've all got winter coats that um, we don't use anymore. I've got several coats that haven't worn in years. So this is something that I think is a, is a great initiative. Nathan, can you explain it first? So, yeah, so basically what we're doing, uh, to give a quick overview of the foundation, I know I've been on the podcast before to talk about that, but we are United's community arm. Uh, and we basically work with young people, uh, primarily in Greater Manchester. We took our inspiration from the Busby Babes and United's long-held ethos of investing in young people and developing them and giving them an opportunity to thrive. At United, at the club, it's football for us. It can be football, but it is just in ev- everyday life and getting them to a position where they've come from a tough background to build a nice life for themselves. So we work with kids in schools. We work across the community. A well-known project of ours is Street Reds, which has been attended before by the likes of Marcus Rashford when he was a kid. Zidane Bell uh, went to one of our Street Reds uh, projects too. So that's a nice little link. But basically, we spoke to some of our kids and it was quite sobering to hear when we wanted to get their concerns and their concerns were keeping warm this winter, which is which is a pretty depressing thing to hear mm. in, in 2023. So we basically committed £100,000 to securing warm items, warm clothing for them, hats, scarves, gloves, etc., uh, and we want supporters to help out too. As you say, a lot of people may have coats kicking around that they just don't use anymore. So if you're at the game on Saturday at Brentford, three hours before kickoff and one hour after full time, you can go to the bag drop areas around the ground. There's one at the foundation building itself, which is a little red building on St. Matt Busby Way, where you can drop these coats off. And these coats are going to be distributed uh, around our network of skills and projects to ensure that these kids have got, I've got a nice big warm coat for winter we've also partnered up with a an additional charity in in ukraine where uh hopefully we're going to be sending some coats over to you know don't need to add any reason why we're sending them to to that particular part of the world mm. but yeah this is um an is- initiative that hopefully supporters can get involved with it's the first time we've done it before so uncharted territory for us but again it's you know I, i've spoken many times about the fact that i'm really passionate about united being a community institution yes it is this global huge organization now but it should be rooted uh in manchester and it should support people in that area we do work further afield as well uh but this is something where supporters can really make a difference so if you have a coat i appreciate for match going fans it's not necessarily practical if you're coming if you go on the pub beforehand but for example if this game you're parking at the ground and you can stick a coat in your boot and bring it over it'll go to a very good home so yeah we'd really really appreciate that uh and i thank them all in advance like you said if you're at the game on saturday do drop by the inner coat because i'm sure plenty of people listening we all have one or two there that we're, we don't wear anymore. Coming into the winter months, it's a, it's a devastating thought, Nate, really, that the young people out there and one of their fears is that they, they'll be cold. Moving on to the game itself, 3-2 defeat to Galatasaray, look, another devastating blow to what's been a desperate start to the season. The pressure is mounting for Eric Ten Hag, although job safety is the last thing he needs to be concerned about, according to reports. United took the lead on two occasions, but ultimately collapsed. How are you feeling after what you've seen on the pitch? I've got, I've got a lot of mixed feelings. After Crystal Palace, I was thoroughly depressed. There was there was just nothing in that that I could get any kind of slither of positivity from it. And to be honest, you know, Tuesday wasn't much different. What I found odd about Tuesday was there were some real 
positive moments, particularly going forward in that game. Hoyland was obviously fantastic. Mount stood out to me. I also thought Hannibal had a really good game. But those positives soon disappear when you, you look at the defensive performance, which was just... It was just schoolboy, wasn't it? And both in terms of individual performances, but just set up as well and structure. And we've seen it. We've seen it a lot this season. I think my biggest concern overall about United is probably the lack of concentration that we're seeing at key times. And I think this is an issue that has predated um, Eric Ten Hag's time in charge. Um, And last season, I felt like he got a lid on it at home. We had a really good record at home. Um, we didn't concede many. There was a few times we went behind, notably in the derby, came back and won. Away was a different story, but you felt, okay, we're progressing from the season before. So Whereas you now you seem... Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it seems to be, you know, it was, for Old Trafford, Old Trafford was just a totally different kettle of fish, wasn't it? You were coming to Old Trafford thinking, we'll win today against most teams. Away was obviously very different, but you're thinking, okay, we work on that. We've got a lot of things to, uh, to iron out, but that seems to have come back this year and you look at Bayern, we were both there. They score, you know, we score, they score almost instantaneously. That happened a number of times. The other night, you're talking like six and four minutes between our first goal and theirs and then our second goal and theirs. And that to me is probably the most concerning element ever of everything in the sense that, you know, you can work on tactics, you can work on structure, you can change things. Things can change very quickly sometimes, but that's a recurring issue. And if you're leaking goals, as we do, no matter how, good or otherwise we might be going forward it's going to be a, a real uphill battle so yeah very concerning it's difficult though because you look at the absentees in defense and can't put together really an ideal back four we currently have a, a makeshift and left back which i'm going to get on to Amrabat shortly but it's just so far from ideal and you've got all these changes coming in every two weeks or so and that if back four can't settle can't get used to the fact that has a new goalkeeper behind it, who another person we're going to talk about in a bit. But it's just all over the place. It's hard to see us settle defensively when it's just chopping and changing. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think that. I think to be honest with you, up until the more recent games, maybe against Brighton, certainly against Palace, I felt that the the injury issues were being underplayed. If anything, I mean, like you say, you had so many people out; it was just ridiculous. And still, to be honest, throughout the team, obviously men. Bodies are coming back now, which is good. But you're right, defensively, it is um, it is so changeable. There's no cohesion between them, and they, they, you know, they say they don't they don't play together. You've got a cent, you've got our new central midfielder playing at left back. You know, you've got Dallo, who you think normally that's going to be Wan Bissaka, Lindelof, that's normally Martinez. Okay, Varane is there, but there's just like you say, it is when those foundations are unsure and incohesive, it is going to be difficult to have that. Um, you know, to, to create anything that resembles how solid we were last year. And I was, I was speaking to my brother when we were walking back after the game the other night and we had a great defensive record at home last season. But invariably, we did have a pretty settled back four, back five, didn't we? Mm. You know, De Gea would always be there. Um, Martinez was there for most of the season. Luke Shaw get there most of the season. Varane, most of the season. I know these players did have little spells out, but it invariably was one at a time wasn't it, rather than them being a decimated back a back line. So you're totally right. But then at the same time, I also think, you know, these are games at home. As I say, more recently, I've been concerned because you're talking Galatasaray, who I didn't think were that great. Crystal Palace didn't have to be that great to beat us either. So that's where it is concerning. You think, you okay, this we you can still say that we're in an injury crisis. But when you're playing games like that and losing games and looking so 
hopeless at times. That's where you can't totally fall back on the injuries. I totally appreciate they are a big issue and it's it's hampering us massively, but these are the problems you've got to solve at the end of the day. Do you take assurances in the fact that the manager, Ten Hag, seems to be strongly of the opinion that he doesn't want to go jump into ex- excuses after this bad run of results, that he's not there, there's been decisions from referees that have gone against United this season, quite a few, and we didn't make anywhere near the big deal out of it that Liverpool did almost call them for a replay at their game against Tottenham. But also injuries, which we've just touched on. These are things that managers could use as excuses. But Ten Hag has said time and time again, he does not want to make excuses. Do you take assurances from that the manager is, you know, he's he's not looking for any holes anywhere? I think, like, first and foremost, I'm 100% behind a manager. I think he's got an enormous amount of credit in the bank. You know, there were some really fantastic moments last season that have that have not made me feel as good about United in a long, long time. I think from, from what I hear, this is a guy who's just incredibly focused. He's got a huge job on, but he seems someone who is who is mentally up to, up for it. Someone who I, I just I just have a really good feeling about him. So, and and I think most United fans are the same in the sense of that they want to give this guy time. Um, if not just for the fact that I think there is an element of fatigue of just the sort of rinse and repeat element of a manager coming in, looking a bit promising, not going so well, removed, repeat. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Ten Hag is, is helping himself at the moment. What I'd say from a refereeing decision point of view, I think at some point, maybe, hopefully, when things get better and he gets his feet under the table a little bit more, I'd, li- I'd like to see him almost... Maybe not go to the extent of Jurgen Klopp, but start challenging some things, you know, to stir the pot. You know, Ferguson used to do it all the time. But I think at the moment, like you say, given the nature of United's results, if he starts if he starts kind of blaming one thing and blaming the other, I don't think that's it's necessarily weak. a good look. So of course it's it does, weak. yeah. It really does. Yeah. So I think he's doing the right thing at the moment. He recognises this is this is nowhere near what it should be. And if he's blaming referees, which, you know, there's, there's something in, you know, I'm not obviously refereeing decisions aren't to blame for our form but we've had a mm. lot go against us a hell of a lot go against us and in those small moments in games and I think this United team have shown that they are a team that thrives on moments in the sense of when things go right for them it you know if we go ahead that's going to help if we go behind they really really struggle and that's obviously got to change but in a moment when we are like this it would be nice to get a refereeing decision or two and many have gone against us but I agree with you he's right not to call it out of it for the time being and just focus on what he needs to do, which is which is to get results. Because if United play to their ability, they shouldn't need to rely on refereeing decisions for the most part. We get the results. So that's, I do take assurances from that, yeah. Amrabat does a job at left-back. Well, everywhere but left-back. Defensively, he looks very suspect. And I think yeah. that might be a bit harsh given that that's a player trying to fulfil a role that he's not favourable with. Do you think the new signings are getting hard press because of the unforeseen cauldron of shit that they've been thrown into? Yeah, possibly. I mean, to be honest with you, I thought I've been impressed with Hoyland in, in almost every game, to be honest. Yeah. Also, yeah. Mount. I like Mount. Mount's energy, I thought, was really good on, on Tuesday. Uh, People have been jumping I, on Mount, though. Yeah, I, I find that a little bit a little bit odd, to be honest, because, I mean, he's not, he's not actually played that many games, has he, really? And, and you are talking about I think what he's trying to do at the moment, Ten Hag, is a situation where he was pretty pragmatic in his first season in terms of how he wanted United to set up. It wasn't what he wanted for United long term. And mm. we're at a point now where he's trying to do that. He's bought in the summer to 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 try and help that. And I think he would have probably wanted one or two more in as well. Um, but 
that with with everything that's going on with injuries and squad absentees, that has become harder. And coming back to the point of yours before, which is in terms of a settled midfield, a settled back line, everything is so unsettled. But I find Mount a bit of a peculiar one because I, I, I've been generally impressed with him. I don't feel like he's done anything particularly particularly wrong. Palace last weekend, he was probably the one of few positives yeah. for me. Um, there was some yeah. nice phases of playing. You could see. You also need to understand too that he's not quite on the same wavelength of his teammates in terms of knowing what runs they're going to make, and and everyone also is trying to get used to the fact that we've got a, finally got a centre forward. When all these things start to click, you'd hope then that the impact that Mount has will be more significant. But no, I I do agree that the criticism of him has been very harsh. I think people are expecting. I don't know, almost Maradona or Pele here. Um, and his contributions, I think, for the most part, have been been positive. What's your kind of feelings on, you know, because I, I, I've every time somebody asks me what do you think's up with United at the moment, I think I give a different answer. Where, where do, you know, do you think it is a case of sticking with it, digging in and getting through this phase until it can be settled? Or are there bigger issues? It's very, I find it very difficult to come up to a point where I'm 100% in agreement with myself. What do you reckon? I think there's definitely bigger issues around the place, but there's those can be amended over time. Look, the dressing room is always going to be a toxic environment when results are going the way they are for Manchester United right now. Um, to be quite honest, I'd be, I'd be worried if I heard a report to say that the players are happy. Um I hope they're not happy. What worries me is that Ten Hag is apparently worried to criticise some of the players that, um, you know, soft mentally, they can't take criticism. And right now, it's a time where they warrant criticism because this is not acceptable. And if Ten Hag is afraid to, you know, lay a lever out, um, that's an issue. That's a problem for me. But... But yeah, no, I, I do think we need to ride it out. I think, as you mentioned, there so many players come back from injury. This is a manager that definitely has a credit in the bank from last season. You know, we definitely yeah, overachieved. And when we get the players back from injury, we'll have a finer picture of where this team is and, and, and what Ten Hag really, really wants. But right now, it's a complete mess. I think mm. there's nobody at the club that wants to make any drastic decisions in terms of firing this manager because everyone can see that it's just been, it's all over the place. It is a scenario for you. So, and this is something that I kind of thought to myself because I think you're right when you say we overachieved. So instantly sort of expectations levels grow yeah. and maybe to unrealistic extent. So if United finished sixth this year, let's say, let's say they won a pot, but let's say, there was a drop off, but let's say, let's say from like February onwards, we start to see some really good stuff. But we're, but ultimately, because our season has been, you know, our form had been so poor in the first half of the season, top fours beyond those, we end up finishing six or whatever. At that point, do you, you know, do you stick? Because I, I kind of mm. feel like I would. I, I, whether this is because, as I say, I just feel like what we need is at this club is stability and a continuation. That I almost feel like I would take a slight reversing form this season from last year if I can see things are gradually getting better moving forward but obviously whether that would be shared by by other supporters I don't know what about yourself what do you think yeah look I, I think most most fans that I speak to are of the opinion that 
and I would be too, that we have to crack out of this managerial cycle, rinse and repeat. Just, you know, if you go on social media, you mentioned you're not sure fans will agree. Manny won't. Manny wants yeah. a new manager now because yeah. the manager that they want will say Luis Enrique will just throw him out of a hat. They'll yeah. want him sacked in 12 months' time. And it'll be the same situation again. We'll be talking about players. Eric Ten Hag, which we both agree with, has put definitely has a credit in the in the in the bank from from his first season. We have to give him that and allow him into his third season. See where we are there. If we finish sixth, and you mentioned we show a positive spell from February till the end of the season, I'd be quite happy with that because every manager is going to have ups and downs. Like I knew when Ten Hag came in, there was going to be a period like this I didn't think it was going to be as bad as this in terms of losing six of our first 10 games but there was yeah. going to be ups and downs I'm not, full, I'm not fully trust trusty trust our trusting of some of our key players either Nate. and there's a few players that are still there from previous managers that leaving off um bad smells I think at, at, at the moment maybe not that bad but things could, could escalate quite quickly um and and that worries me because Ten Hag needs players right now that he can trust. And he's finding it hard to get players that are fit. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, and that brings me on to my next question because Varane is a player that was singled out by Paul Scholes um, in the post match analysis. And he kind of said that he didn't look fit. Now, I was baffled by that initially because I do not believe that Ten Hag would play Varane of all players if he wasn't fully fit. Um, his injury record isn't very good. I think it could be a matter with Varane that he's not fully match sharp. And it's yeah. a ma- if that's the case, he needs games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a funny one, isn't he, Varane? Because he, he is a player that you you need to manage uh, in terms of his game time, and I think in an ideal world, United would have uh, you'd have your Martinez at, at left at left centre half, and then you'd have Varane and another who you would maybe kind of. And I think they they maybe looked at that over the summer. You'll probably know better than I um, where you could use Varane at the games that you need him manages manages fitness time. You know, almost kind of akin to the way that Ryan Giggs's fitness used to be managed towards the end of his career. He wouldn't play. He'd never play Saturday, Wednesday. Ferguson had have him right for certain games, and I think that's the way you would use him. But obviously, not Ten Hag hasn't got that luxury. So ideally, you would have. Varane playing most of the time so I think you're right to be fair I think there's a lot of that with in terms of you talk about match sharpness I think there's possibly a little bit that with a lot of the squad because a lot of them have not been playing since the start of the season and if they have they've had an injury in in between I think Casemiro's kind of in that bracket as well he's been a little bit concerning but he also when he first started when he first came to United and started playing he did he took a couple of weeks if not months to get going himself it was that period wasn't it around kind of Christmas time where he said I said on an earlier episode I think Casemiro and I'm not not saying it's a bad thing I think he really enjoys the summer off (laughs) does he have a Wayne Rooney summer is that what you're saying yeah Chubamiro as um alternative MUFC had him down as but but no I think yeah there there is a few few players there that are not a hundred percent match sharp and that that would explain where we're seeing the results we are seeing because other teams look um the other, the other no sorry the, the other side of it too is just going back to some of the results we've had not including Galatasaray in this but Palace 
we yes, we lost the game, but these teams, you, no one can really say that they're playing better than us. No, well, I think that's, no, which is that, that, that's another factor. I think people should throw in and what in what could be a bit of a I'm not saying overreaction because the results are bad, but in terms of performances, they're not as piss poor. We're still dominating games, but not breaking teams down, and then defensive lapses are getting in the way. But teams aren't outrunning us so much or are dominating us. I think I saw a, a tweet from a, a guy that, that I got a follow on Twitter and he said something along the lines of United are struggling to that we're either we either can control possession but lack the penetration, such as against Palace, or we mm. can look we can look fairly dynamic going forward, but then completely open when whenever whenever you know on the transition. So I know that's what it's, it depends which way you look at it. You can look at what you just said there as being a positive in the sense of that if United start to improve, we'll get better and better. But on the other hand, you're thinking, well, you know, a Galatasaray team and a Palace team who don't play particularly well shouldn't be able to beat a Manchester United team. You, it, it's not as if you can say, oh, well, they've come and they've had an absolute world in. United just aren't quite at it at the moment. Like, United are very much not at it, but they didn't, like, Palace, I thought, yeah. were, were pretty Does average. it say more that they don't have to play well to be us? Exactly. exactly. Like, you know, if, if if you've got Galatasaray, I mean, look, Palace very well organised and, and and Galatasaray, you know, took their opportunity. But, you know, you, the, you think of their, I mean, God, their goals, Galatasaray. The first one, every one of them calamitous in in one way or the other, and that's that's where it's like you know if, if you if you're so fragile at the back, then something has got to change there. Whether that's personnel, whether that's system, and I don't necessarily think it is just the defense. Totally agree with what you say in terms of minutes together cohesiveness, but um, it is difficult because, like you say, you almost feel like we need to wait and judge until we've got some players back and got got key players back, and we've got a regular ish starting eleven. But on the other hand, it should still be better because of the the talent and that we've got in the squad. I can excuse the odd mistake from our goalkeeper, but it was calamity after calamity on Tuesday night for Onana, and not for the first time in the Champions League. We've been here before with goalkeepers, though Schmeichel, De Gea. Yep. The responsibility on Manchester United's number one is always huge. Does yeah. Ten Hag need to make a change to his goalkeeper after signing two in the summer? Or, you know, is Onana our number one? So stick with it. I think just before I come on to that, uh, Dan Harris, um, who many listeners I'm sure will know, tweeted um, after the game uh, referencing, and I thought about this at the time, and he says it reminds me of um, Deportivo in 2001 when Bartes was chucking him in his goal quicker than Rude could score him and it was a game and it also finished 3-2 and, and Bartes had a shocker I remember I think Wes, Wes Brown got himself caught up in an issue with him and again it is illustrative of of how you know you're talking there Bartes and old Bartes was pretty wacky one he but he was a World Cup winning goalkeeper how you know the scrutiny on the Manchester United number one is unlike any other uh, on Onana, I don't think Tenag should drop in, nor do I think he will. I think he will. I think this is something that you, for the moment, um, you need to kind of ride through. To me, he looks like again he's kind of um, a little bit of a victim of, uh, and I, I'm talking here more about his distribution. United aren't playing to his strengths at the moment. He seems so. He seems so deep. And I think, again, that is a product of the defence not being what Ten Hag wants it. Um, again, likes because of injuries. 
the lack of cohesiveness, the lack of understanding between the back four, the back five. So he doesn't seem sure. You saw the amount of times he was going long. That's just not what, you know, we're going to be wanting to see. We want him to be, to be higher, to be sweeping up. So I feel like he's struggling there. Is his handling, I mean, I'll be honest, like I, I, I didn't, I've not watched enough of him um, prior to his time at United to truly assess him as his goal, as a goalkeeper. Obviously, you know, you heard the, uh, you, you saw on Twitter and and what have you when he signed the um, kind of general positive, positivity based on these YouTube packages of his fantastic distribution. But at the end of the day, he's played for Inter Milan, he's played for Ajax, played in the Champions League final. He's clearly a very good goalkeeper. So I am tempted to think that his form is maybe a, a culmination of everything and he's suffering with lack of confidence. Um, but yeah, it, it's been, it has been worrying even before he, um, he did the pass on Tuesday. There was a moment where Galatasaray had got him down he on the left. It. Yeah. And it would just, and it just looked really, he just never looks truly comfortable. Um, and that, that is, that is a concern, but I, would be tempted. I, I don't think he'll get dropped. I think he will persist with him. Um, uh, but yeah, it's again, it's another element of it. Um, but he's not helped, is he, when he's, he, this team are conceding chances left, right and centre. Yeah, he's not shout, uh, shouting himself in glory at all. Of course he's not. But again, is he, um, is he though, could the defence turn around and say, no, they've been poor. But could the defence turn, turn around and say, well, he's not giving us any assurances whatsoever. Like, just the the game itself the other night with the Casemiro sending off, you know, I'm looking back at that and I'm saying single handedly, yeah. that is Onana's fault. Onana yeah, is the reason yeah. that Casemiro got sent off the other night, and when Casemiro came off, we we totally lost our shape and they, yeah. they split through us. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I said to my brother at the time, or shortly after it, I think it was after they'd missed the penalty and. I thought to myself, I was almost a bit like, look, Casemiro would have probably got dog's abuse had he just let him go through. But you almost think we'd have been better off just letting him score, letting him level it up and then having 11 players rather than taking him out. Because I just thought once we, even though, you know, even though when they missed the penalty, I'm like, I just don't see us getting through this now because we look we look poorly organised with 11, never mind with 10. So yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure the defenders will, be, will have a thing or two to say about him. Um, but there just seems to be... You know, let's take it back to David De Gea. Okay, very different because David De Gea is a pretty young kid when he comes in, but he's coming in with a pretty sturdy back line, isn't he? With with Real Ferdinand, the Man Vidic, pretty settled, a lot of experience in there, and he and he obviously took up he took time to uh, to to find his feet uh, or hands, um, and um, Onana's in a coming in in a very different circumstance. So I again. I think like with everything with United at the moment, I think there's mitigation for everything or, or understanding as to why things are not good. But then you can't excuse some really poor handling. There's been quite a few occasions this season where I've watched him. I think it was one at, one at Bayern, obviously, um, where it's been a bit like, oh, that's, that's, that's mm. not great. Um, but, this is a he is you know, this is a top goalkeeper. You know he's got a, a lot of experience in in really for really high profile teams and really high profile competitions. I think generally, certainly if you'd have spoken to me in the summer, I would have said Ten Hag has got his signings spot on so far, and I, and I trust him, and I still do. Um, but again, like with everything else, you're gonna have to see an improvement. And when these things keep happening, it is harder to to get out of the rut, isn't it? There was one silver lining on Tuesday night as Rasmus Hoyland made three goals and two Champions League appearances for United. Are you happy with how he's settling in at the club? 
Yeah, it's nice to, nice to talk about something a bit more positive now, isn't it, for, for five minutes. He <laughs> um, looks great, doesn't it? Um, you know, this has been quite a few moments this season where I've, I've thought to myself, oh, this this is the moment Garnacho's goal against the Arsenal was one where I thought, right, here we are, lift off. And when he, when he scored, when he just powered through on Tuesday night, just pace, power, and then just delicately lifted it over the goalkeeper. It's like, we've got a centre forward. We've got a proper centre forward. Stands in front of the Stretford end. And it was like, here we go. And after that, I thought, we'll be all right here. We'll go on, go on and win 3-4-1. Um, we won't talk about any more about what happened after. But yeah, he looks he looks, he looks, looks like a beast. And he looks sharp. His movement's great. I still don't think it's quite clicking with his other forwards, but I think it will. I think that will just come in time. Um, but yeah, he, he looks like a really, really good, a really good signing, really exciting. And it's just a shame that he scored at the Allianz Arena and he didn't count for anything. He scored a double the other night, didn't count for anything. And then he had his first goal at Old Trafford against Brighton, shorts off for the most marginal of um, ball being out of place. So yeah, disappointing for him. But he, you know what I loved about it there when he did his post-match interview and he said, he's talking about a goal and he was like, yeah, that's a Rasmus goal, that. And I just thought, I love that confidence. You know, it wasn't, it, you know, I don't even think it, I don't even think it could be perceived as arrogance, just the way he comes across. But it's I really bold. like that. It's bold. Yeah. It's really bold. Yeah. But, but United need, and I've needed more characters like that, you know, where yeah. it's, and if, and he keeps, if he keeps doing it like that, then, it, you know, it'll be justifiable. But I like that. I like that about him. And uh, yeah, let's fingers crossed, fingers crossed he can continue and he can inspire the others to similar levels of performance. I won't lie, Nathan, I'm a little bit worried about Bruno Fernandes. The lack of impact again the other night um, is a concern. Is he undroppable? It appears to be, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I, I'll struggle to say a bad thing about Bruno because, uh, well, obviously, you know, he's he's been a really, really good player. I'm usually on the same United. page. No, I'm usually on the same page, but have a, have a concern. He, the other, the, the other night, he was on the right again, wasn't he? And wasn't he on also on the right against Burnley? And I don't think he's ever as effective because I I did think a few times I was like, get him in the middle, get him in the middle. Um, I I get I know what you mean. He's a funny player, Bruno, isn't he? Where there was a game recently, I think it was Forest, where I was he was really really good. Um, but yeah, he's there's been times where he has frustrated me this season. One moment that springs to mind is where we'd we just made it three two um, at the Allianz, and he receives the ball. Um, I don't know, so like 10 yards inside the buying half and then looks to spray it out and just gives the most tame pass to one of their defenders, which I think they then scored from. And there's been a few of them. I think he did a couple of the other night. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I still at the moment would have him playing every game. I think he's the type of player that once settled into a rhythm, he's a really, really good and really important player for United. But I do, you know, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I watch it. I see why people are getting frustrated. It's just, I think Bruno right now is playing, and I love Bruno Fernandes, but I think right now he's playing without his spark, without that spark that he brought to games. I know we got a bit of a teaser of that in the Carabao Cup game, win over Crystal Palace, but he he just, I think we're just missing that spark from him right now. And we have got so many players that are off form. I think yeah. when there's so many that are guaranteed a, place in the team that is a bit of an issue yeah yeah no it's, it's a valid point um i i would say i don't like okay there's been moments that i've just touched upon briefly about 
small poor moments of play. But generally, I would still I still have him playing. I think he's the right person to be captain. Um, I've had really positive experiences with him uh, from a foundation point of view. He's, he's absolutely sound with us. I really like the guy. Uh, obviously, that doesn't mean he should be starting every week for Man United. But I think generally, <laughs> he is a player that is... Um, you know, can do things that other players can't do in this team. I, I appreciate what you're saying about the spark, but again, it's it's difficult in a situation like this when when everything is kind of as it is, um, and the situation as it is, and it's and everybody's struggling. Now, the counter argument to that would be he's the captain; he should be raising the standards, pulling people up, and I'm sure he is trying to do so. Um, but he's not someone I'm I'm overly concerned about because again, I, I feel like when things hopefully when things get better. We'll see the same with Bruno, um, and when we get that cohesiveness, and when we get that those you know more regular starters, I think getting Amrabat into midfield is going to be really important. I think that's going to help us. I think him having to start at left back is just just not ideal at all for a number of reasons. Um, so he's not. I would continue to play Bruno. Bruno would always be in my starting eleven at the moment. Uh, appreciate what you're saying about a culture of, of being undroppable, but you know, there are times and there are players that yeah. sometimes yeah, find themselves in that situation. But um yeah, he, he's he's not he's not one that I'm particularly concerned about at the moment. Um I would he'd hundred percent be in my starting eleven every time. We're gonna move on from Bruno because Nathan's giving me gang signs um on the on the camera <laughs> here. And <laughs> Wilfred Saha was buzzing the other night. Um, and yeah. to be honest, look, there was parts of me watching some of the press duties that were quite happy for him on yeah. Monday he did a, a press conference and was asked quite arrogantly by the English media about his transfer over the summer and how you know they kind of nearly almost deemed Galatasaray not being a big club and was he bothered that his United career didn't go to plan and he said that he wasn't bothered and he really wasn't he smiled he had a smile on his face and spoke about the the honour of playing in the in the Champions League, which he later said was a dream to score in. It was part of me, Nathan, that, like I said, was quite happy for him because it didn't go his way at United. And I look back at that and I think a lot more could have been done to give him a better shot. Oh, 100%. I think that could be said for a lot of players over the past 10 years that, um, you know, they've been victim of the of the instability at Manchester United. Um, I, I agree. I was I was pleased for him as well. Um, and also, I think, like, it's so disrespectful and it is such a sort of a, a Premier League-centric way of viewing it, isn't it? Like, he's, got, he's going to Galatasaray, really well-respected club, what fantastic fan base. You know, you look at, the, you look at their stadium on a match day, and why would you not want to play there? And fair play for him to go to go over there and start a new life and go he to a different country. also turned down and... big money, by the way, to go to Saudi Arabia yeah. to, to play Champions League football. So of all yeah. the players that were... He's in the media now. You're looking at your Jordan Henderson, which is gathering some controversy. This is a player the English media should be saying, well, hat tip. Yeah, definitely. And even like, you know, okay, it didn't work out at United, but there's no way on earth you can pin that blame entirely or even at all on him it was you know it was just one of the worst times wasn't it for him as a young developing lad if Alex Ferguson had stuck around at that point fantastic but he didn't and he was just you know environmental wise it it was just unfortunate for him but he went back to Crystal Palace and, and, and did really well there and he's you know he's clearly a talented lad and okay he's maybe not gone on to, to go you know play higher up the Premier League as us, others might suspect but fair play to him and like you say it's nice to see you want to see players visibly enjoying their football and, and mm. wasn't to be in the Champions League. And, and I, I like yeah. what he said about uh, whether this could be 
perceived as a bit of a dig. Maybe it was. I don't know. But I liked it when um, somebody, I think somebody in the press conference on the Monday asked him about, um, have you have you spoken to the Galatasaray players about what it's like to play at Old Trafford? And he said, no, I've not. Um, and then said, um, you know, they don't need to because there's, there's not there's nowhere on earth like playing at Galatasaray in the sense of the the atmosphere as it's like just like something you've never heard in your life and and I like to hear that a player saying you know yeah. talking about cause it, it's clearly mint over there isn't it and yeah it was it's yeah good for him he's a refreshing character I find um after two defeats in two can United reach the knockout stages of the Champions League name it's gonna be really big tough, ask really. isn't it? Yeah, massive. I, I mean, if you're looking at how things are now, you say no. Just just purely based on forgetting, uh, like, you're mathematically it could be done, but based on how we are, how we are away from home, we've got to go and win at Galatasaray. We've got to go and win at Copenhagen. We've probably got to get a result against Bayern Munich. And obviously, we've got to win at home at Copenhagen. And you, you're not even necessarily... You, at the moment, you're not confident about getting a result in any game, are you? So, at the moment, you're thinking... It's a massively uphill task. Yes, it can be done because mathematically it can still be done, but um, it's going to be really, really difficult. Brentford have only one win in the league this season, but we can't underestimate anybody at the moment. What's your Absolutely. predictions for that one? Oh my God, Dale. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've got to the point where I, every time I go to Old Trafford, or certainly recently, um, with any optimism, we're terrible. And then when I think, I think I went to the League Cup game Obviously, that was coming off the Burnley game, but I was like, oh, this could be, you know, we're going to make changes tonight. And then we were fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just need to keep him in mindset that we're going to lose. And then you never know. We might turn it on, but it's really difficult. Because like you say, you you are worried in every game now. It has, it has reached that stage. Um, I think that's felt I, on the pitch, though. I've noticed that. Well, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I, I really, I mean, this is... This is obviously you. You would like, wouldn't you, for United for Ten Hag to pull something out of the bag uh, for it, which obviously we can. You know, talking it's with all due respect. This is a team United should be beating because you feel like going into the international break on the back of another defeat or another bad result, and then two weeks without it. Uh, saying that, it might be nice for us to have a break. I think we'll all be, we'll all be happy about that at that point, irrespective of the result. But on a serious note, you, you know, we we need to just be getting this win, and then it's like a bit of a break. Plays will probably probably do the plays good, just a bit of change of scenery for the time being before we come back, hopefully with more men fit and start again. But prediction-wise, I really struggle. I just don't know. We could win, absolutely. But, you know, based on recent form, you just don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Well, look, we've it's got ridiculous. Brentford. Brentford, Brentford, Brentford at home, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Look, I know the feeling <laughs> following United in 2023. Nathan, we have a question round as well that we need to get through before we wrap it up. And Shane Griffin has asked me, which your work for the foundation? He wants me to confirm whether the club send the proceeds from tickets donated to season ticket holders. Yeah, that's correct. So basically what how this works is if you're a season ticket holder and you can't make a match, you can uh, return your ticket to the club. And when you do that, there's, there's the option to rather than receive the funds yourself to um, donate the cost of that ticket to the foundation. So the ticket does not come to us, but the cost, if you're, you know, when I say 37 quid, that comes to us and that goes into our pot to use. And last year we raised over half a million through that, which I thought was amazing. And I wanted to make a big deal of that because this is all coming from the generosity of, of United fans. And, you know, we don't underestimate it's you know even match by match it's not an inconsiderate amount of money you know I, I could I could totally understand why a support would rather 
that be back in their pocket. So we're massively grateful for for that for that money. As I say, like half half a million pounds makes a massive difference to our projects and funding our staff to work in schools every single day of the year. So it makes a massive difference and. It's it's you know it means a lot to me for my fellow United fans to be investing that and to think of that and to think yeah that's a really good thing, um so yeah it comes back to us and it is used um it goes to a really good cause and makes a massive difference to a lot of young people's lives. So if the club gives the foundation to thirty nine pound and let's say for my season ticket if I donate it does the foundation get the full thirty nine pound? Yes yeah yeah so the of the face value of the ticket. They, that is what we get. So depending on where you sit in the stadium. So that is the, you know, you give your ticket back, cost you whatever, 37 quid, foundation get 37 quid. Like with ports at the moment, I suppose you could say the elephant in the room, the season ticket holders handed back their tickets, um, should say donated to the foundation and the subsequent person who bought that ticket gets it as part of like a hospitality package. I assume then the foundation gets the full value of that. So obviously, in terms of that kind, that you know, those stories. Obviously, I've seen these stories. Um, I'm obviously aware that the club are looking into what happened on yes uh, Tuesday. There's going to be a response. Uh, I'm sure, possibly hopefully early next week. I've not been told that, but um, they are looking into it. In terms of those details and those um, specifics that you mentioned, I'm really not uh, aware of those details. But essentially, the process is that. A ticket is given back at £39 and then a ticket is sold on at the same value. That is that is the process. I've seen, obviously, you know, rumours and opinions on Twitter. Um, yeah. But can't really comment on them because I don't I honestly don't know the, the detail behind it. But I can assure United fans who give their ticket that the money that they have paid for that ticket is coming back to the to foundation. And then in terms of the issue you mentioned and all the club are looking into this. I'm sure the clarity will be appreciated, Nathan. Marlowe asks, Rashford is getting in the neck at the moment, but I don't think Bruno has been good enough. Do you think the captaincy is having a negative impact on his performances? Now, I know you've already said offensive of Bruno and I know I asked the question, but I wasn't jumping on him myself. I'm, you know, I, I think we're, we're much better with Bruno in the team. And when I look around the side at the moment and, and players that are putting in that maximum effort, I don't fault him in any way. I think he is working hard. It's just not coming off for him. But do you think, Nathan, to answer Marlowe's question, that the captaincy is having a negative impact on him? Uh, not for me, to be honest. Um, and the reason I say that is because, okay, it became official in the summer, but he was captain for a long period um, last year. Also, um, you know, alluding back to his involvement with the foundation, I've always been really, really impressed with how he's a leader, absolutely. And he he said to us that he wants to he wants to leave his mark on Manchester. Uh, he's been really, really keen to get involved with our stuff uh, to help organise it with other players so uh, to me he strikes me as someone you know look I, I don't know the guy well at all I've had a few interactions but he strikes me as someone who is who embraces it and uh and, and wanted it and I, I don't think it's weighing heavy I feel like he is um I, I think he is he has always been a, a player hasn't he as as often so the best players sometimes are where they have these frustrating moments where you know they they do things and you're like what what, what are you doing what are you doing and hmm. And then the next thing, he's playing this pitch perfect pass into whoever, or he's dragging us out. And the pickiness uh, you know, of football fans, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And that is just the way. And it always has been. Like I always remember. I don't know why this particularly sticks in my mind, but this was the. Um, it was the game that Makeda scored the winner in two thousand and nine, um, and it was obviously it was a year where Ronaldo 
summer prior had been heavily linked to Madrid. I think he wanted to go, but Ferguson got another year out of him. And I remember in this particular game, I don't know why it sticks to my mind, but he, he'd made a run and he'd, he'd got... He'd been tackled and he thought it was a foul and it very clearly wasn't a foul. And he was on his knees and he and he just threw his arms up in the air. And this guy next to me was like, get the F up, you blah, 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 blah. And, it, and then he goes, obviously goes on and scores two goals to get us back into it before Bikeda scores the winner. And I'm like, that's Cristiano Ronaldo at a time where he was our main man. You know, he'd, okay, maybe not in compared to the previous season, but he had a fantastic season, 30 plus goals, absolutely brilliant, won the league, Champions League final, League Cup, and he's, and he's getting absolutely moaned at. So, Fans are always hone in on these small little details. And I think Rashford was mentioning the question. And I thought that was similar there, that it was frustrating me the other night because you can feel, again, this kind of social media agenda, as it did with Maguire, filtering into, into real life. And every time he touched the ball, even he did all right the other night, I thought, Rashford, every time he touched the ball, there, yeah. was, a, there was a feeling yeah. of like, do something or we're going to moan at you. If you don't do something, we're moaning at you. And there was a moment in the second half where he got the ball and he, two men were on him. And Rashford's struggling at the moment, I think, because he's not got that overlapping fullback. That's a big deal because he's take, he's having to take two men on rather than Shaw taking one with him. And Rashford kind of burrowed himself into a corner and I could feel the people behind me getting ready to just volley him. And he had this really nice little flick just to get him out of trouble. And everyone was kind of completely disarmed by it. But I thought it was indicative of, I think, the, who, was, who asked the question, was it? What's his name? Don't want to, I don't want to sound really in person. Marlo. Marlo. So what he was saying, I thought was right. I think um, Rashford's been getting in the neck and and I don't think Bruno at times had been playing much better. Um, so, yeah, I think it's funny, isn't it, how these agendas arise? But, yeah, I've gone off on a massive tangent there. But, no, I don't think the captaincy is weighing heavy on Bruno. <laughs> no, I think with Rashford the other night was a perfect example of, of a player that's playing with a lack of confidence. And that's why... On, la- yeah. on the last episode, we had Jonathan Stragler on and we spoke about the social media pylon that exists around Rashford. And I'm quite uncomfortable by it, especially after that performance the night, because, like I say, this is a player that's struggling with confidence. It's a player that scored 30 goals last season. And that's not something that you want to exactly knock or or, or to kind of stop from blossoming again. Um, the other night when he came off the pitch, we, we weren't creating any chances anymore. And I think that was um, something for people to kind of think about that are calling for him to be taken out of the team. And I'm talking about Rashford. Rashford's creating chances every week. Maybe frustrating the fact that he's not putting them into the back of the net. They're being deflected and going wide and blah, blah, blah. And some weeks they hit the back of the net and some weeks they don't. But this is a player that I think, again, the Ten Hag is going to play through this phase, this, this tough period of, of not scoring goals. And his assist the other night was terrific. You know, put on a plate for Rasmus Hyland, a, a great finish. Um, obviously, people would point to the wasted opportunity that he squandered when he squared a ball to, to, to Bruno Fernandes. But I can assure you that Marcus Rashford of last season, full of confidence, is going for a goal. And he's putting it he in the back that. of the net. Yeah, 100%. 100% scores that. You could 100%. sense, you could no. sense when he was running through. Like I was right behind it, and in comparison to last year, when I saw him run through on many occasions, like he's bagging, he's scoring, he's scoring. On Tuesday night, I didn't have that. I was like, I don't know, he looks a little. And then as soon as he sort of delayed, and you could see Bruno, just that indecision was there, and that you know that that will come back nine times out of ten. He bags that, and he did it last season. So I think that was perfectly illustrative of your point that your know, confidence is, is, is not high at the moment. And it frustrated me a little bit in the way that you could feel the crowd was a little bit aggy towards him. And I, I get the frustration at the moment, but it's like, I say he's got 30 goals last season. Like 
get behind him. He's not, he's not, he's not having absolute stinkers every week. Yeah, he's not quite on it at the moment, but you know, get behind him rather than instantly going with that, like you say, getting sucked into that social media narrative and and mouthing off on him. Absolutely, Nathan. We've one more question, and Dave Cleaver always submits one. Um, usually of some humor or something a bit different, but <laughs> he, he, he asks Sounds quite, like my kind of guy. Yeah, quite bluntly, it's, he's in with a punch oh. with this one. Um, there we what go. happens if we lose to Brentford? I think, I don't know. I don't think anything happens. I think the mood we move on. worsens. I think the um, what worries me, I think, is maybe more after the international break. As I said to you before, I feel very much, I'm like, I'm in this for the long haul, Eric. Like, give you time. You know, I feel like you need the time. You deserve the time. It's, it's as we've seen over the past 10 years, this is not a quick fix. A manager needs time. Um, but what I guess what concerns me is more after the international break, we've got Bramall Lane, which again, you know, it's away from home, form away from home is not good, followed by big game in the Champions League, followed by Manchester City. That concerns me more than Brentford. And obviously, if you if you lose Brentford, you're then going into them on a negative footing with a lot of pressure on. But I feel like it, it will nothing will happen, in my opinion, after Brentford, other than the mood worsening if United lose. But it's there after that I'm a bit concerned. But yeah, he at some point that we've we've spoken at length in this in this part about lots of mitigating factors, things that are just not help him, etc. etc. But you know, at Manchester United at some point. You've you've got to start getting results, and I think last season again another thing where which which led to this optimism was that we had some stinkers, stinking results last season. You know, I, mostly away from home, and I felt like I went to them all. I, I was speaking to someone before. I got five games in the ballot last year, and it was Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Newcastle, and West Ham. So the aggregate score yeah, of that was run. insane. Oh my god! But the reason I bring that up is because mo- I'm pretty sure that after all or most of those games, we won. Won the next game get it out crack on and you've you've just got you've got to get that winning momentum back haven't you and I, I thought we turned a corner after we beat Burnley and Palace forgetting that you know Burnley wasn't great performance wise but dig in win clean sheet play well against Palace it felt like okay here we go again and we've got to find that again and despite all these issues you've you know Manchester United, you've got to start getting results. Nathan I couldn't agree more we need results desperately oh my god absolutely yeah. Pleasure, as always, to have you on. How can people follow you on social media? So I'm Nathan L. Thomas on social. uh, And do, um, if you would like to follow the foundation, which is uh, MU underscore foundation. Uh, As I say, you know, we we do work throughout the year uh, in schools, in uh, community projects. It's a really, really big um, organization, which I'm hoping to kind of give a little bit more in the spotlight for fans that don't know as much about us. But, you know, it really makes me proud to be a United fan to see the work that we do. Uh, And and hopefully, if you follow us and you find a little bit more about us, if you don't know already, you'll feel the same too. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And hopefully you bring your coats to Brentford before a comfortable 4-0 win for United. Don't forget your coats. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.